Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the final hour is here. Just OutKick like 360 that. rolls on across the OutKick network. 6th and Peabody is our broadcast location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hit us up on Twitter at OutKick360 on any of the social platforms as well. And if you are streaming the show, we hope you'll share the link. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we hope you'll spread the word of where you can find us each and every afternoon. Christian Hackenberg will join us in roughly 20 minutes from right now. Uh, he is with the Field of 12, the college football podcasting network, former Penn State quarterback, NFL QB. He joins us as we will go through uh, the top quarterback storylines in college football Stetson Bennett uh, on the positive end of things and what's not really clicking all the way together for Will Levis at Kentucky those are just some of the topics that we will be hitting it's Tennessee Florida week Um, we will be previewing that heavily over the next two days going into the weekend and, and some this hour as well uh, DraftKings is where you should go if you are interested in checking out all of the college lines. You bet $5, get 200 in free bets for all new DraftKings users. You've got to be 21 years or older, and this is for first-time DraftKings Sportsbook customers only. DraftKings, they're updating the NFL offer to bet five, win 200 in free bets. The offer is live right now. It runs through November 20th. Outkick.com slash betting is the site outkick.com slash betting you bet five dollars or more on any nfl pregame money line and if you win that bet you win two hundred dollars in free bets this is for first time users you make a deposit of at least five bucks in your sport in your sportsbook account and then with your first wager place a wager of at least five dollars on any nfl money line win that bet two hundred dollars for free wagers at DraftKings. in addition to any other winnings you're going to make if you win that bet got to be 21 years or older visit outkick.com slash betting for all of our DraftKings content that's outkick.com slash betting so son's owner robert sarver is now going to sell the team uh, after the investigation that uh, just showed a lot of workplace misconduct and some bad things being said and, and done by him nba commissioner adam silver just issued the following statement it's a short one And I quote Adam Silver, he says, I fully support the decision by Robert Sarver to sell the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury. This is the right next step for the organization and community. When the initial sanctions or fine was released, I know um, Chris Paul spoke out, LeBron James spoke out, other figures around the NBA spoke out about this isn't enough. This, I don't agree with the NBA steps in, in this process. And then Robert Sarver sells the team. It is pretty remarkable, the NBA's ability to just, I don't know if it's even forcing. I I feel like in Donald Sterling's situation, he was forced forced. to sell the team. This wasn't a situation where he was forced, but he was compelled, compelled 
to sell the team. It tells me a couple things. The NBA's got a lot of power, the league does, over their owners. And two, it's not nearly as profitable or good to own an NBA team as an NFL team. Well, because NFL owners would never, would never, unless they were thrown in prison and the federal government told them they had to sell their assets, would they be forced to sell a team? Yeah. Like you see in the NBA. Daniel Snyder, I, I think... I don't know that much about Sarver, but Daniel Snyder's long history here, the way the investigation protected him with no written report, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if the NFL was ever going to get rid of a guy, Daniel Snyder is ripe for being gotten rid of. It seems the league protected him. It seems his fellow owners, you know, if not protected him, have stayed silent on it. Uh, and they can't, can't, won't or don't want the result for Snyder that the NBA just got for Sarver. And it's pretty remarkable contrast. It's also an easier team to sell. Um, you got to find somebody, if you're the NFL, that wants to spend $6 billion on a franchise. Now, yeah. you could say that's easier said than done, uh, and, and there are people that, that have the money to do it. But again, yeah. you have to find someone that your ownership will approve that's going to spend $6 billion on the franchise. They're valued at 5.6, just in a quick Google yeah. search. Steve Ballmer paid $2 billion for the Clippers. Yeah, it's so a in, different in contrast, level of filthy rich. It's still a ton of money. But three times as expensive. But, yeah, if you're, if you're outing someone, the NBA in both cases, both of these dudes are getting billions in return. Yeah, Russian oligarchs are not invited. Right. That, yeah. that, that, that takes um, away a good share of your I'm, market. I mean, I realize it's, so a, the it's, a, it's a fraternity that a lot of people want to join. It's also the people that fraternity. are able to join. It's a very small group of people as well. That's so um, I'm looking at the Forbes team valuations. The Suns right now are valued at $1.8 billion. Robert Sarver purchased the team. I don't know when. We could probably find that. Oh, 2004. In 2004, he purchased the team for $401 million. Whoa. That's a nice return on investment. So from $401 million to $1.8 billion yeah. is their Forbes valuation. And their arena is nothing special. That, price, that price could go over two mm -hmm. based on you know, what, what he can get for it. I know Bob Iger, the former Disney CEO, is the front runner. That's the one name I've read that's probably going to end up buying the team. I just see that story, and it just amazes me that the NBA is, seems to be the one league that just sell your team. You're in trouble. Sell your team. Someone's going to buy it. We'll, we'll find a buyer. No yep. problem. Sell your team. It would never happen in the NFL. I don't care if the most respected players in the NFL uh, wrote you know, a substack of all their complaints with the NFL's penalties over an owner, over racism, sexism, anything else. The league would never be able to compel an owner to sell it. Would it happen in baseball? I'm trying to think of the last big owner scandal, Marge Schott. In, in Major yeah, League Baseball? Was quite some time ago. 30 years, probably more. 30. And I know that the, her family doesn't own the team an, anymore, I, I but I don't yeah, know. I don't remember how it came to an end, but she was shamed, certainly. But I don't know about baseball either. Yeah, uh, I, I, think I don't the know. NBA. I, 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 and the old time baseball owners, I think, would have a hard time. There's a lot of new, you know, corporate ownership. But I think the NBA is is the outlier here in its ability to have fast change. Well, I think Robert Sarver is also a businessman, and he probably looks at this in a so practical sense and says, the team is no longer as valuable with me as the owner. 
because I'm tainted now. So just from a dollar standpoint, I'm not going to make as much off this team. I'm not going to attract as many free agents. We're not going to be as good. So I'll go ahead and cash out. That's just the business play at this point. I'll, I'll gladly take my $1.82 billion in the cell and then someone else can own the team. I mean, that, look, that, if I'm his advisor, that's what I'd be advising him to do. But it's not going to happen in the NFL with someone. They're, they're going to keep cashing that ATM and owning the franchise. Hit us up on uh, social media for your reaction. And uh, the NFL injury report, lengthy this week, the uh, local news uh, that affects some games moving forward, Raiders and Titans. Um, Paul, the no, no Bud Dupree in practice, no Taylor Lewan on each side of the football. That's affecting how Vegas, both in money line and spreads, and the Raiders, Vegas Raiders, go into this game. They're already the road favorite. Uh, chances are, at, I think at best, I don't know if you guys agree, I think at best that it's 50-50 in that stadium with Raiders fans Sunday. Am I, think I, am be, I overstating I, that? I think it'd be close to that. Uh, not quite 50-50. I think it feel 50-50 because the Raiders people will all be downstairs. If you're coming to this game as a Raiders fan, particularly from outside, you're not coming from out of town to sit high yeah. in the upper deck. If, right. a, if a Titans player scores a touchdown and jumps into the crowd, do they risk getting punched <laughs> by a Raiders fan on the road, similar to Kyler Murray, who actually did it on the road and got punched? But the, a Titans Titans player yeah. in their own home stadium could jump in the crowd and get punched by a Raiders fan. The Wouldn't other uh, the other news it won't is be good. Uh, Lamar it won't be Jackson. Good. And they're trying like hell to sell tickets. I'm getting emails. I don't know if you are. are. You know, I'm on an email list, and they're pushing sale. The team or third party? The team. Well, you know, get your three pack or your oh, the, roving oh, yeah. upstairs They're, ticket or whatever, which is a good sales plan. But the fact that they have to push so hard to sell their third game against the team with premier players that's an attractive opponent uh, is not good. Lamar Jackson spotted at practice today and what media was able to observe. He's wearing a, a sleeve on his right arm today. Take that for what it's worth. Um, Limited, I believe, was the official injury report that I was reading. And I don't know if that was a report like a, a guy was there and said he was limited in the, in the portion of practice they were able to observe or if that's the full practice. It's just something to watch with, with Baltimore this week coming off their loss to, to Miami. Um, they've also signed uh, Matt Skura to their practice squad. The... the uh, the Rams, excuse me, from the Ravens. Crazy how bad that Ravens defense has been through well, two weeks. That could that Wink Martindale move might backfire on them. It's very uncharacteristic. I'm, I'm McDonald is new. Well, I'm, I'm writing a, a column for Outkick on the five. I'm doing a knee jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. Two I weeks love in this concept. We're eleven point seven percent of the way through the regular season, and I'm going bottom five. Just bait, not off projections the rest of the way. Just. Who's looked the worst in the NFL? Mm -hmm. Last five teams. So I'm going through team rankings with defensive points, yards, offensive, everything else. And I was shocked to see the Ravens dead last in yards per game given up defensively so far through two Chad, weeks. When they I gave see, up 200 in the air um, in the fourth quarter alone. Last when week. I see Ooh. really good ideas, I get jealous. So I'm complimenting you by telling you how jealous I am of that idea because – this knee-jerk reaction and what's the spinoff we were talking about doing that you called it? 
Um, oh, the uh, uh, acting rash. Yes. That, that buys you so much room. Um, it buys you uh, a veil, if you will. And I, I think it's brilliant. Well, I appreciate that. And um, I, I think there's, there's too much of the best. I can get a list of the best ice cream, best Harrison Ford movies, best NFL teams, best SEC programs, all that. I, I need more list of the worst. I'm working on a worst. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm not as negative as you are, Paul, about things, but I am drawn to any list of this is the five worst of this. I don't know. Maybe it's the older I get I'm drawn. If you had a list of five worst Tom Cruise movies, I'm clicking on that and reading that story. Just like I, I hope people will read my five on, worst NFL teams. I'm working on a negative list column as well. Not worst, but a negative. Um, Amazon, Thursday Night Football, of course, returns tomorrow with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. They they were expecting, they were hopeful for $12.5 million on average, which was lower than what Fox was getting for their Thursday Night Football uh, viewership. Um, they've exceeded that based on Nielsen ratings, although I don't know the official rating yet based on the story I'm reading. Uh, full details at OutKick. But what they've done, it was the best single-day subscription um, sign-up at Amazon Prime, and it outdrew like Black Friday or anything like that. Success. That is exactly what you want. It's the the NFL is king yet again example for this Wednesday, uh, September 21st, 2022. Can't they find the exact amount of viewers? Like I thought it was odd. It's it's great that they have a Nielsen rating because you can compare them now to television with that, but the Nielsen ratings are inexact. And with a streamer, you can get exact numbers on Amazon Prime accounts that log in and watch that show live. So I feel like you can get to a more exact scientific number of people watching, right? Uh, I thought that was odd that they're going by Nielsen ratings when they have a better system with streaming of people logged in watching an individual game. And it's also, they had more prime signups in a three-hour window of just the game. What was the number? Than any other, I don't have the number. Oh, they're going to say say more, but they're not going to say the number. I I, I don't like that. Better than Prime Day, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, any of it. I don't think you're lying, but tell us the damn number. It's, I I don't like, I, I can understand why these streamers don't want to, divulge that information and be exact about it. Um, but part of it, I, I don't, let me rephrase. $139. When it's, by the when way. it's something you're spending a billion dollars a year for, like Amazon is and Jeff Bezos for the NFL and the numbers were good. I would want to get those exact numbers out of Amazon prime people logged in, watching something live. If you're Netflix or Amazon or any one of these, and it's a TV show, I understand why they don't want to give the numbers out for Stranger Things because you don't want to pay what the cast of Stranger Things is going to demand from their agents when they know those exact numbers yeah. and how many subscriptions you're bringing in. But so do they boast that's about Stranger Things? Well, they boast about it, and they'll, they'll have the rankings. You can go there now on Netflix and see the, the most, most watched watch. shows, but it's not telling the you the numbers. Most watch on Netflix. But, but it's not do they telling boast you, about it compared to HBO or compared to... Network television. I mean, those they all now boast about Emmy awards, you know, against right. each other. Well, that's but different. 
I don't, here's, here's my my line. I don't want you to boast about how well something's doing unless you can put numbers on it. Otherwise, it sounds phony. Well, Even see, though I'm not saying it's phony. But show, show me the evidence of how well you're doing. So the one, the one place that I know will give you an exact number is HBO. In HBO Max. Now, HBO is also Nielsen with their television ratings. But an example is House of the Dragon on Sunday night. That show has had 29 million people watch it. 29 million, which is gigantic. The highest rated TV show, just TV show, not stream or anything else, of the last year before that, and I think David Hookstead has this article at Outkick, is Yellowstone with 10 million. So that's triple. (laughs) Tales of the Dragon, again, is triple the amount of viewers of the second place show in America for the year. That's that's the kind of numbers I want. Those are hard numbers that you want to get. But, Paul, I don't know how many people watched the latest season of Stranger Things. I did. I'm sure a lot of others did. I mean, is it over 29 million? I don't know. Because they're not going to give exact numbers at Netflix. Probably. But, I mean, Game of Thrones and House of the Dragons is a pretty big, pretty big show, too. So, I, I, I don't know. I'd like to know those exact numbers. Coming up, the play of Stetson Bennett. And we'll go around the college football quarterback world Christian Hackenberg joins us next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sixth and Peabody in Nashville is where you can find us if you're ever in Music City. Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine with us. Crew is all here today doing a fantastic job. Field of 12 is a college football podcasting network that I stumbled across after week zero or week one. I can't remember which. But Christian Hackenberg was having a conversation uh, about Georgia and how they've caught Alabama in the same tier and what Kirby Smart has done in such a short period of time. Christian Hackenberg joins us now on Outkick 360. Appreciate the time, man. Hope you're well. Yeah, I'm doing well. Trying to stay out of trouble, running and gunning. So I appreciate you having me yeah, man. on I'm, tonight. I'm a big uh, big fan of the podcast and the network that you guys are doing. I've already mentioned it's – you guys go on – it's not at the end of the college football day. It's you know, Night games are going on on Saturdays when you're on. But roughly, you're recapping all the big storylines. Yeah, usually. We try to touch after – whatever the primetime game is that week, whatever it may be, usually 7.30 game, 7, 7.30 game. So I want to I pick up on a previous conversation that I mentioned there, Christian. The, the fact that you were having that discussion without the premise that Stetson Bennett was this version of Stetson Bennett, is Georgia better than they were a year ago? I think the element of confidence and it's been touched on a bunch by a lot of guys, but I completely agree with it. And there's a lot of merit to it that Stetson's had an entire off season as QB one, not looking over his shoulder timing. I think the receiving room got a little bit deeper, um, a little bit more talented uh, in some areas. And then that tight end room speaks for itself defensively, even though they were replacing a ton of guys, they stepped, they haven't, they haven't skipped the beat. Um, it's been really impressive seeing how they're winning differently 
uh, I guess, on that side of the ball than they were last year. It seemed much more dominant, especially at the line of scrimmage. But these guys are still flying around making plays and um, really a testament, I think, to how Kirby runs that ship on that side of the ball. So uh, better, you know, I don't. I, I think you're comparing, you know, that it's it's hard to – you know, they were say great. that right yeah. now. Yeah. There's still there's still a lot of game left, and that was a pretty historical team. But uh, I mean, they're trending that way. To me, they've they've played some big dogs early on, going out and taking Oregon on week one, and and winning that in the fashion that they did, and then handling business the way they have the past two weeks um, has been just as impressive. So uh, I'm really excited to see how this team develops. Christian, totally random, but have you seen uh, Eli Manning undercover at your alma mater at Penn State? As Chad Powell's walk-on quarterback, yeah, I'm gonna tell you what, man. My my DMs and cell phone text message chain has lit up uh, since that happened, and that was that was pretty good. That was really good. I well, I'm curious because, uh, and I don't even know if it's real, but uh, James <laughs> Franklin calls it. I, I know that the, the you know the undercover thing's not real, but the walk-on mm-hmm. program, the run-on program, uh, which sounds really funny. You know, we run on with our with our walk-ons here, and it, that was kind of the theme of it, but. Was that what a normal walk-on tryout looked like in, in terms of how you understand? I know you weren't a walk-on. You earned a scholarship yeah. out of high school. But what you know with walk-on quarterbacks and walk-on players, was that consistent with what it would look like? Uh, from my understanding, you know, obviously there's some guys that do come in as preferred walk-ons. Um, but from my understanding, yeah, I mean, I know that they definitely do have, you know, wide open, you know, you can sign up come on down from the frat house, you know, Lane Kiffin style and, uh, and see what you got in, in Haluba hall for a couple hours. It was, it was really good. I, I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen it, Caleb Williams follows Lincoln Riley to USC. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we all knew this could be a very prolific pairing c- continuing on as it was in, in year one with the two at Oklahoma. Has it exceeded your expectations in terms of how quickly USC is getting it going offensively? Well, I think it's really impressive. Uh, obviously, having a quarterback who's kind of the driver of that offense and and the 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 relay um, mechanism within the team and within the locker room for the head coach uh, has helped. But it has surprised me at how quickly. And it's not just Caleb Williams. I think it's just the the breadth and depth of what Lincoln added in the transfer portal to that team and getting them to play as cohesively as they have. Um, that's really impressive and it's really hard. It's, it's, I can't overstate that enough. And I think the normal person looking at it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like Madden. You just insert something and they're going to go. But there's, there's a lot more that goes into it. And, uh, that's been, that's been really fun to watch. Um, and, and just offensively, they just present so many issues for a defense and, and Lincoln, Lincoln knows how to attack it. And then Caleb also being the guy that he is right now and how he's playing. Um, I think he's done a great job of taking ownership of it and making sure that all those pieces fall in line and and understand the urgency of it. We will not allow you to take both C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. We are going to force you to choose one. Which one and why? Oh, that's so hard, man. That's, that's it's, what we it's want. Like, we want you to yeah, score. It's, yeah, it's like at, at that point, it's whatever flavor, you know, insert – if you're talking, if I'm in, sitting in an NFL GM seat, insert what my team needs, what my identity is offensively. I think that's the conversation you have. The way I see the game, I, and this is not a knock on Bryce Young at all, but I love C.J. Stroud. Um, it, it's uh, the way I could use him offensively, um, if, if I was thinking that way, would be a lot of fun. Um, 
but again, I'm going to preface that with it's it's whatever flavor you want to drink, man. Well, you like Miller Lite or Bud Light? It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, come on, man. So they're they're both fantastic, and um, but personally for me, uh, I think CJ's CJ's ability um, inside the pocket, working off play action. Not saying that Bryce can't do it. I just I just like the frame. I like the intangibles, um, and again. I wouldn't be pissed off if I had to take Bryce Young either. <laughs> uh, Penn State sending Auburn fans to the exits as the fourth quarter was starting. Um, I, I, I thought Penn State would go down and win the game. I didn't think mm-hmm. it would be like that based on what we saw last year. Um, I don't know. I, I know where you come down on Penn State here, uh, but for them to go on the road in the SEC to be the first team in the Big Ten to travel to Auburn and to win like that, what does that signal to you? Yeah, I thought that was a huge step in the right direction. Um, you know, and people are saying, you know, this Auburn team's down. It doesn't matter. To your point, going down to that stadium in that environment, that setting, they're always going to play up. They always give people problems down there. Um, and the way that Penn State did it, you know, I, I've hammered this point. Just I think for the first time in a long time, they've shown some real dominance on the offensive line. And again, whether that was a combination of Nick Singleton and them getting better or you know, just flat out them getting better or flat out Nick Singleton. It doesn't really matter. That's going to be Sean Clifford's best friend throughout the year. Um, Defensively, they continued to grow the way I thought they were. It's a really fast athletic unit. They fly around, they make plays. Manny's put a big premium on turnovers and they were able to do that. Um, And it's, they're playing really good complimentary football right now. And that's all three phases. Um, And you got a veteran guy who's played a ton of ball. um, Who's, as I've said, not going to lose you football games. Um, driving the ship, you're in a good spot and you got about three weeks until you really find out who you are with, uh, I think it's Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State in a row there. So um, they're they're poised and headed in the right direction. What do you think the ceiling could be? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think they can definitely compete. Um, a comparison I drew to is kind of the Michigan team from last year. Um, I think defensively they have similar pieces. Um offensively, if they can continue to run the ball and the offensive line and those tight ends, because that's another group that played really well, not just catching the football, but also being involved in the run game throughout the entire night there. They did a great job. So that that obviously opens up a bunch more for you from a, from a pass game standpoint, uh, creative matchups and whatnot. But if they can continue to develop on in that front, um, I, I see them as a as a very similar team to Michigan from last year, and they can make a run. You know, they they got to get through Michigan and, and and Ohio State. Really, Michigan State has some holes, and that was exposed against Washington this weekend. But um, you know, I think those are the those are the two ones that you gotta you gotta really go out and get. Christian Hackenberg, our guest on Outkick Three Hundred and Sixty, you can check him out. The Field of Twelve, uh, it, it's all over Twitter. You can also follow him. It's on the screen, but see Hackenberg one. Uh, he tweets out the link after uh, the primetime game is complete, and they do a great job going roundtable on the top storylines across college football. Um, so sticking on the Penn State theme, at OutKick, we had the story up we were discussing yesterday. They, uh, Penn State has a collective now that's supplying or um, a- allowing for those through name, image, likeness to receive uh, injury and disability insurance. I, I don't know what the insurance package was your final year of college. I'm sure you had one. Yeah. Heath Schuler yep. told us uh, two, three weeks ago that he declared early in part because his family couldn't afford the insurance payment on what would be a senior year for him. This could be a game mm-hmm. changer on keeping a legitimate NFL prospect from, you know, 
using the injury disability insurance as a reason why they're jumping out early. Yeah, I agree. And I think this is one of the good stories about NIL. And I'm not saying NIL is a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination, but there's definitely a ton of gray area that's out there left for interpretation. And it's been taken advantage of across the country. Um, And at the end of the day, a lot of these kids don't know what they don't know. And getting something like this is is monumental for them. Um, And it, it, it really doesn't matter. I mean, even any any draft eligible year, just bringing them back. It's a really good thing. And I think it's something that should definitely be adopted um, across the country, whether it be collectives or however this whole thing ends up shaking out. But to me, it was a great, great step forward and one of the feel-good stories of the NIL. And I think the direction that it ultimately needs to head is taking care of these players, understanding the business they bring, their value, what they mean not only to the university, but also college football as a whole. It's odd talking about Tennessee as a favorite going into the Florida game, but they're a double-digit favorite in this game. And Christian, it's in large part because their quarterback, Hendon Hooker, and not just how Mm -hmm. good he's been, but how not bad he's been with the lack of interceptions, the lack of turnovers. He has zero interceptions again this year through three games. How great is the value of a quarterback that you feel really good about not getting you beat when you go into each and every game, regardless of opponent? It's funny, man. I, I I read this when we when we you briefed me on this, and I thought that's such a great and astute point that fans oftentimes overlook it. They want the flashy thing, they want, but there's something to be said about consistency and somebody who can drive the ship. And um, then it's up to the scheme and the coaching staff to put pieces around him that can raise his level. If as long as you know what his what his baseline is, you get the right pieces around him and he can really do some things that are special and ultimately win you those games. And that comes down again to scheme and coaches. So I think it's been great. I think Josh Heupel has done a really good job quietly down there, just building Tennessee back. Obviously it's a brand in college football. They have challenges recruiting in state. Um, They have to go out of state if they want to compete. And obviously the transfer portal helps with that now as well too. So um, I, I, I'm really excited about this team. I think he's been a, he obviously a transport guy, great, great addition. Um, and I think that this year they really turned the corner a little bit and I think it's, uh, it's up. And when Tennessee's good, it's one of those programs when Tennessee's good, it's good for the health of college football. So, when you, um, excited about it. Sorry about that. When you watch no, you them can, play just from the quarterback perspective, through your eyes, does it look mm-hmm. like a difficult offense to operate when you factor in snapping the ball every six, seven, eight seconds? And how quickly you're getting the line, or does it seem pretty simple as you watch the concepts and the scheme of what Josh Heupel wants done? Yeah, when you watch it, I mean, when you're playing that fast, you can't be complex. You know what I mean? If if your goal is to play with speed, you can't. You can't. It's impossible to play complex football. So a lot of the stuff is if he does this, throw this, throw to green grass. I call them green grass throws. You're putting you're putting defensive players in bind. That whole the whole evolution of the RPO system. Again, I can go down a line. I think it's cheating flat out. But um, if you could take advantage of it and do it the right way, uh, all the power to you. Um, and I think that they they do that at a very efficient clip. And then even when you get him in situations, though, those third and mediums, third and longs, he's done a great job of just taking what they give him, throwing good catchable balls, whether it be uh, underneath the sticks and letting his players go get it for him. Um, and that's, again, one of those things where I think Hypo has it enough where they understand when they're in those situations how to execute. But the ultimate goal is to play really, really fast. And when you're doing that, it's 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 a small sample size that you got to focus on and become a lead at it. And they've done a good job at getting really efficient. Christian Hackenberg joins us. Is, are you joining us from your uh, bar basement, or where where is this? Yeah, 
Yeah, down in the this was my COVID project. I wasn't ever really a handy guy. So yeah. um when we bought a house, I wanted a blank slate in the basement and figure it all out. It so this good, is man. what I knocked out during that. Yeah, I appreciate it. What's you, on tap? Yeah. What do you have back there? Oh, I don't I don't have a tap in there, but I got whatever you want. I'm a big bush light guy. <laughs> okay. Um I'm, I'm a cheap beer guy. Uh and Fair, then I'm yeah. a bourbon guy. So Fair enough. You know, whatever, whatever we get in there. We so. we can get you some moonshine there if you want. Um uh, back on the SEC thing briefly. Will Levis Mm -hmm. projected first round quarterback in April's draft. And we're looking Mm -hmm. far ahead there, but that's based on what we saw from him last year and the return on investment so far this year with the new OC. What has kept, at least from our view, things have not been completely cohesive with the Kentucky offense. I thought they would throw downfield more with Wondell Robinson a year ago. We didn't see that. They're definitely run based and that's not a knock on a, a solid quarterback. What what do you think is lacking to get that thing going at a different pace? Yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. And when you have a guy who's trying to come in and, and get familiar with the personnel and put them in the best situations to be successful, but also try to marry that to your philosophy, that's tough. And you see it. I mean, I think personally for Will, I, I mean, just watching, I haven't watched a ton of them, but watching the Florida game, a little bit of the Youngstown game, they're doing good stuff with him. They're taking advantage of him. Big play action, you know, really cutting down the field. It's one to two uh, off of heavy sets, heavy personnel, and they're letting those guys run. And they've been able to take advantage of it. I think it's just setting it up, getting them on the edge on on nakeds and boots. And then they've been mixing in and sprinkling some of that RPO stuff as well. So they're trying, I think they're really trying to figure out which one's going to going to go for them at this point still. And the only thing with Will is, is I think he just has to mature in, in situational football down the red zone. I think he threw one or two picks last week down there and, and against a lesser opponent. That's something that you're going to see him continue to grow as he gets those reps and experience with the offensive coordinator where he wants to do and just take take what they give him. Because he is really only in his second year starting. He's been around for a while. He's had some experience, but you know, there's a little bit of that too. But I think that this team is a really good football team. Uh, Mark Stoops has done a great job of just... yeah. I think instilling an identity there and at a place that traditionally hasn't had it, it's really impressive. Um, and I think he's got the right guy in Will Levis to to write the ship this year and really set a standard for the next generation of guys that are coming in in, in their in their pipeline. If somebody outside the norms going to the college football playoff this year, probably getting pounded once they get there, who, who is it? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, USC hasn't been there in a while. Or they've never been there. So, I mean, I think I could see a USC running the table out there. Um, I, you know, I don't know if they get well, defensively, they're still a little, eh. but I mean, they got to win in a shootout. Um, but I think USC could sneak in there. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if it's, if it's another two SEC team year again. Um, but it's so early, man. It's so early. Are you, uh, jealous of the 12 team playoff that's coming in and, knowing the system that was in place whenever you played? Yeah. Um, I would be. I'll tell you what. I think it's good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good, though. I think that that's, that's what you need. And if you're if you're the 13th team crying about it, you're probably a three- or four-loss team. So yeah. you ain't got nothing to cry about. So I think they. I think that's a good that's a good thing. Christian Hackenberg with us. Final thing for you. Who's your favorite player right now that no one talks about enough? Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. I think he might be the best pure passer in this class. Pure thrower of the football, throwing into tight coverage without a ton of separation, consistently play in, play out. Uh, Brian Brom and Jeff Brom put him back there in that situation a lot. Um, and the kid is really impressive. 
if you get a chance to watch him, he's he's really, really impressive. It's it's amazing. In college, I often think about I pair quarterback with coach or with offensive system, and I think about Brom at Purdue being a great cultivator of quarterback play and developer of that position. How much do you factor that in, Christian, when you're watching a quarterback in a program and trying to eyeball the influence of that coach on the quarterback? Yeah, I think I think that's definitely got something to do with it. And I think when you watch him play, there's there's a little bit of an urgency. Um, he stays on schedule. He never puts himself because I mean, at the end of the day, it is him because they're throwing it. I mean, 50, 60 times a game. So he is the run game. He's an extension of the run game as well. So the way he facilitates, you know, those those little bubble screens, just kicking the ball to the flat, living to play another down and then having the aptitude when he can take his chances and throw those balls over the middle or, you know, the safe throws to the outside. He does a great job of it. And like I said, man, just pure throw of the football movement in the pocket he might be the best one in this class. Christian Hackenberg, Field of 12, uh, the podcast network, uh, focusing on college football. The show I saw was you and Trevor Knight and Bryce Petty. Um, who else is a part of the network with you guys? Oh, man, we got uh, Clint Sterner, uh, Max Starks. Uh, we, we, we got, we got a couple hits during the week that we have to do. We got a, we got a little spot on the Sirius XM app. Yep. So if you want to listen over there, but we got, we got a good little crew. Uh, Kevin Sumlin jumped on a few times. Nice. Um, so we got some guys, uh, definitely a lot of experience, a lot of unique perspectives and we keep it light and have fun with it. So, uh, it's, it's been, it's been cool getting together with those guys. Yeah. I know, uh, a former Falcon and Titans receiver, Harry Douglas is also doing something there. Um, uh, seems to be yep. really enjoying it. I've enjoyed it as well. I'll continue to 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 plug it here. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it, man. Uh, great insight, and hopefully, we'll have you on the show again down the road. Yeah, man. Anytime. I appreciate it, and uh, enjoy y'all's night. Get you a, a cold bush light. You know. Yeah. Here we go. Cheers. Right behind you. <laughs> That's right. Don't, don't even have to stand up to get it right now. Enjoy Thanks it. so much, Christian. Yeah, appreciate there it. There you go. There's Christian Hackenberg. Good dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, the, the show like, is very cool. I like having guys who are on a podcast on because their audio is always top notch. Oh, <laughs> you got can a see sure he's got, microphone he's right got in front the of mic right next to him. You know, you're going to get good audio every time. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty, if not good beer. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I believe George Whitfield, I may be wrong on that. I think George was also part of the quarterback guru. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's really good. And if I'm wrong, I'll correct it tomorrow. But props to Christian, man. He's uh, really, really good on that show, and uh, hopefully we'll have it on uh, again soon. Uh, coming up, we get you ready for the sports evening, Thursday night football, and more tomorrow. That is all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I mentioned earlier when we brought this up that there was a, a scuffle of sorts in the tunnel, going into the locker room, Monday Night Football, Bills, Titans post game, where a Bills player swings, misses, hits a Titans coach, and he's been suspended for a game. Outkick 360 rolls on. I said I have my, I have my suspicions on who it was. I did not want to speculate. Did not want to speculate here. 
but there has been a report out on you knew Aaron Wilson uh, reporter on Twitter says on the Bobby Hart one game suspension Bobby Hart Bill's offensive lineman the appeal hearing concluded today and Derek Brooks before Derek Brooks expected to rule upon it on Thursday a source said that a video from the game shows apparent in-game incident with Titans Jeffrey Simmons spitting on Hart which led to the altercation and this report is saying there is video of this incident well, that was with Jeffrey Simmons. Then, if, in fact, that's the case. I uh, was the lone person who asked Jeffrey Simmons about Marshall Yonda's accusation of spitting on him in that game. And This Simmons, was a previous oh, no, no. spatting in- this incident. Is, this is the one that we're talking about for Monday. You're just from years ago. Yeah, from yeah. years ago. And he would neither confirm nor deny Simmons at that time, which we took as, well, if you didn't spit on him, you'd say you didn't spit on yeah. him, right? Yeah, and Yonda was adamant about it. Well, does he get suspended? If, in fact, there's video of him spitting on him that led to an altercation after the game, if Bobby Hart's going to get suspended. I think he'd get fined. He also, I mean, there would have been video of this. There's a second. If there's a second. There would have been video of this from the Baltimore game from years ago. Well, that's in tight quarters. If there's a second allegation, this this wouldn't be in tight quarters. If there's a second allegation, there's actual video of it, like this is claiming, and they could definitively see he spit on him. I feel like repeat offense would get you a game. Well, you don't have, you don't have the first offense confirmed. Right. But it's the problem. If there's video, if there's if he's if not denying the first spitting to anyone, and a guy said we got into it because he spat on me, <laughs> and then there's video of a separate time, those combined. I understand what like you're you saying. You get away with the first, first time. time there's no guilty. future incident. You're not guilty the first time. There's oh, you, you become guilty, guilty the first time when you don't deny time? it, and when the second time there's video in the league's eye. This is not a court of law. I mean, it doesn't take a genius in the league's eyes to say, yeah, the guy probably spit on Marshall Yonda, too. Well, if you're not going to do anything about that, then does the does the one-game suspension become overturned? If that's what started no, all this? No, I mean, I, honestly, I, I think the way to handle it is to suspend both of them for a game. I think you can't be going after a guy in the tunnel after a game, regardless. That's worthy of a one-game suspension. But if you've got someone that was accused of spitting before, yeah. there was no visual evidence, and then you have visual evidence of him spitting on someone that led to a post-game altercation, you got to give that guy the same penalty. He's going to get a one-game suspension, too. If there's video of it, I'm, it, it's out soon, based on that report from Aaron Wilson. You would think. Well, don't spit on someone. No, I mean, he, sh- he shouldn't of spit. Of course not. And, I mean, you know, that's, I- a, that's, a, that's a very... That's uh, a very primal response to an altercation with well, someone is to spit in their face, and that seems to be a problem for Jeffrey Simmons if, in fact, there's video of this. Yeah. He was getting after it with players. I don't know about the spitting part. He's getting after it with players on the, on the practice field and joint practice work, having his way with offensive linemen from the Bucks and the Cardinals. Um, so this doesn't... This doesn't surprise me based on the, the history of Marshall Yonda, but if we do see the video evidence of it, I, I think there's reason to worry with it, Paul. There could be. And yeah. that's a, so if you're, you're possibly already down Bud Dupree, we know they're without Harold Landry for the year. <laughs> and now you've got this surfacing about Jeffrey that's Simmons. That's not good. Not good for um, the Titans. But it, that's not a long-term thing, though. I mean, this would be... It'd be a game. <laughs> 
at yeah. most. And what I hope they don't do is start um, looking for things with him now. <laughs> no. no. In the middle of games, I'm saying. But he also, listen, uh, I mean, Mike Vrabel has to have a very direct conversation with him. Look, uh, focus your anger in the right direction, and spitting is not an option. Period. Tack McKinley's back in the league. I know he worked out for the Titans a, a week ago. He's now with the Rams. They've added uh, offensive and defensive linemen um, to their practice squad. I want to give the Titans credit. I, and, I, I, McKinley I, was on the Titans practice squad, right? Yes. He was signed to the practice squad last week. Yes. And so the Rams have now signed him. So that Off means the they're using him squad. for at least three weeks on their active roster. I, I feel like there is more this year. I was complaining last year, league-wide and Titans-specific, that they were not going on to practice squads enough to find talent. There are guys out there, Jack Rabbit Jenkins, Jenkins made a crack that certainly would eliminate him from consideration from the Titans about like, hey, I'm healthy now, but it'll take $3 million guaranteed or something. <laughs> but the Titans are not going the recycle route right now and going and finding some of their DBs who are out there who they could go get again. They're actually dipping into practice squads. One of these guys is mm-hmm. Houston Connected still. But they're going and getting guys off other teams' practice squads. There's a talent pool out there. Look, these aren't going to be heroes they're going to find, but you can find guys that can enhance your depth off other people's practice squads. They're doing what they should be doing. No practice today for Chris Godwin, for Julio Jones. Mike Evans is suspended for a week. Uh, Bucks this week against the Packers. Down some receiving options, potentially. And they got themselves... Um, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, based on uh, a, a DM on Instagram with Brady. Same reason they have Julio there. That DM is a magic wand. Back at it tomorrow for Outkick 360 here on the Outkick Network. Don't block your box, but kindly lock your lock.